Welcome to a special encore presentation of Compassion Radio 360. Morning, honey. It's time for Compassion Radio's 360, the way we wrap up the end of the week with some news. Hopefully, that's going to be encouraging. Hopefully, yeah. Today's story is brand new to us, but it's not exactly a new news story. It was making the circuit through Facebook this past week, and it was a kind of memory looking back. Memories are the big thing now, right? For those of us who have been on Facebook for more than 10 years, man, Facebook is going out of their way to make sure we know that we've got history with them. Yeah. The uh, story is about a runner. And instantly got me into scripture because I, I saw what he was doing mm-hmm. and I saw how it had an impact on another man's life, another runner in the story. I thought, well, this is exactly what Jesus is talking about mm-hmm. when he says, oh, and we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> but let's go ahead and just introduce, if you would, honey, this young man and the young man he served during a long cross-country race. Well, the title of the article is called A Gesture, A Reunion. The article is written because of a reunion that took place between these two young men after about a year from their first encounter. They're both cross-country runners, which if you've ever run at all, that's just, it's grueling. (laughs) But cross-country is just a really tough thing to do. So these world-class runners are traveling around the world in places that they're unfamiliar with. Their language is different. They don't necessarily read the signs well in other languages. And so that's that's the original encounter that these two young men yeah. had. It's an international race, so yes. they all should know what the rules are. But it's not always clear what's going on. Exactly. You and I have been on the road in many countries and just looking at the street signs. They talk about it being difficult in Europe, and sure enough, it is. They got you know forty different countries, and they seem like they contributed all their signs to their signage across mm-hmm. the, the continent. And when you're driving down the road there, just figuring out, is that an exit or something else they're talking about? Because they have reduced everything to icons. They're young, learn those icons. Mm-hmm. This road race needed directions too, because you got to know when it finishes. Yeah. So the question for these runners is, where is the finish line? And the guy in the lead didn't have anyone to follow. Yeah. So when he got to the place where he thought the race ended... <laughs> It wasn't the case. Yeah. He had more distance to go, but he had stopped running, mm-hmm. which I think that's pretty sad. That kind of makes sense if you don't know the yeah. lay of the land. Yeah. So this is a Kenyan runner, and his name is Abel Mutai. And many of you may have heard of him because I think he's an Olympic class runner yeah. as well. But he was a few meters from the finish line, but he got confused by the signals, and he stopped thinking he had finished the race. There was a Spanish runner running not far behind him, and this race was happening in the country of Spain. So he's very familiar with the course and the signage. His name is Ivan Fernandez, and he was right behind Abel. Abel's the leader of this race, so he's about to win. He sees what's happening in front of him. He sees that Abel has stopped, and he begins to shout at him in Spanish. Well, Abel is Kenyan and cannot understand Spanish. He didn't know what to do. So Fernandez runs up behind him and began to push Abel to victory in front of him and pushed him literally across the finish line so that Abel would finish first. We're talking dozens and dozens of yards. It's not like it's just a little nudge here. It's like, oh, you missed an entire marker. Abel is not knowing what's going on. I imagine he probably resisted first, like this guy is trying to go through me to get Mm -hmm. to the finish line. And just think about what any other normal runner would have done approaching the finish line after a long and grueling race. And all you can see is the finish line in your eyes. You would have just chugged around the person in front of you and kept pushing until you knew you got to the finish line. Interesting thing is why Mr. Fernandez Mm -hmm. did not do what most everybody else would do. Right. So a reporter approached him at the end of the race and said, why did you do this? What were you thinking? You could have won. (laughs) Yes. And he replied very interestingly. 
He says, My dream is that one day we can have the kind of community life that pushes ourselves and others to win as well. Why did you let the Kenyan win, though? The reporter insisted. I didn't let him win. He would win. It was his race. He was ahead. Mm-hmm. And the reporter insisted again, but you could have won. You could have beat him. You could have gone around him and passed him. Why didn't you do that? And he said, but what would be the merit of my victory? What is the honor of this medal? What will my mother think? <laughs> Which I love that. The article goes on to say that values are passed on from generation to generation. There's a question that's raised here. What values do we teach our children and to what extent do they inspire others to earn them? Yeah, and this runner is inspiring the guy who is already winning mm-hmm. to really win. Not just to win the race he's running, but to win the respect which he has already earned. So this runner has been following this other runner. He is in his shadow, literally. So the runner ahead of him, Mr. Mutai, deserves it. Mm -hmm. He has earned the rights to stand on the top podium. And Mr. Fernandez knows it. Mm -hmm. So if he tried to take advantage of the other man's ignorance of the road rules— In a country where he lives, he's taken, in his mind, an unfair advantage. It's within the rules, probably. Nothing obligates a runner to stop and help or aid another runner. Absolutely. That's why you have all these support teams out Mm -hmm. there. If someone has a spill, runs out of juice, literally, or has some kind of medical emergency, there are people there to pick them up and go with it. The other runners are supposed to focus on the race. But the race I think that Mr. Fernandez is focusing on is a very different one. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to kind of unpack that a little bit here. Yeah. So what's your take on his thought process as he was approaching Mr. Mutai from behind and seeing what was going on? You know, I'd like to say I'm the kind of person that would stop to help him. That would say, hey, buddy, come on. This is the direction that you're supposed to go. And there's the finish line. I hope that would be me. You know, But then also I have this competitive spirit. I would like, oh, here's my opportunity to win. But thinking about how Scripture tells us that we have a great cloud of witnesses around us, and they're cheering us on. These are people, for the most part, I think what Scripture says, is that have gone before us. Right. And so they've already won the race, basically. They've already finished their race. In our eyes. In our yes. eyes, exactly. But I think that also we, as a body of believers, as the church, are also that cloud of witnesses for others around us, Mm -hmm. for others that are maybe struggling in the race differently than we are, maybe are in a different obstacle course than we are, but we can still cheer them on and encourage them on. And that's kind of what I thought of, what came to my mind as I was reading through this article. He's helping his brother in the racing world to finish the race. And again, I think the thing that is so remarkable about this story is not that the runner was encouraged or that the crowd was behind him. It's that the witness behind him, the one who's in the race, is the one who became his champion. So from behind, he's calling forward saying, keep going, keep going. I'm following you. Mm -hmm. Even though their language had problems, his hands on his back pushing forward spoke all that needed to be said. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's more. Mm That is, I think, remarkable. Mm-hmm. How often are we at our wits' end or at limits of our strength? We're out of everything. We're just spent. Yeah. And we come up against somebody who we know is probably better at this than we are. And for some reason, they seem confused. And they're not winning the race we feel like we're in. But you know they should be mm-hmm. because they have earned the right and they're certainly ahead of me. Mm-hmm. 
to take the time to say, that will be the greatest honor of this race I run, is the one ahead of me I push across the finish line. Mm -hmm. He says that when he came into the stadium, he saw Abel far ahead of him. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was clearly the winner by a long shot, realizing he's confused. Mm -hmm. In the article, he said, I would do it again without hesitation. It's the right thing to do. He is clearly the winner. He's clearly ahead of me. I often wonder, how would I respond in that? You know, when it's a a race, who's the winner? Who's the best? We all want to be the winner of the races that we're in. We all want to be the best or, or get ahead. He says he understood what he had to do, instinctively understood it. It was a normal response for me. Yeah. I, I didn't hesitate one second. I thought, that's what I need to do. Again, because the race is part of something bigger. In fact, he's running a race that's bigger than this race, this mm-hmm. heat. Now, every time I've ever heard that scripture, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run the race mm-hmm. as if to win the prize. Mm-hmm. We all think in terms of us being in the stands, cheering down onto the field as the runner keeps doing his thing, as if it's all about the adulation and the admiration that comes from people who are watching us do something that is difficult. This cloud of witnesses starts with the guy behind Mr. Mutai, and he is just as exhausted. He's a competitor and a colleague, really. He's also a world-class runner. In this race, but yet he is also that cloud of witnesses. How often do we think about our responsibility to those around us while we're struggling? Mm -hmm. I don't know that I really think about that much. If I'm struggling, I'm focused on the struggle. I'm not necessarily focused on the people around me, especially ones who are doing better at what they're doing than I am. (laughs) And why would I want to be cheering somebody on who seemed to have it all together when I feel like I don't, Mm -hmm. who seems like they'll always win because they seem to have natural talent or Whatever. They have more joy than I do when I want to be happy, or they have more skill than I do when I've studied hard to do this thing, but just can't be top-notch in my mind of what that thing is. Yeah. Whatever says, if you got to there, you would be successful. You would be at the top of your game. Mm-hmm. And we feel that. We say that is our measuring stick. When you're at the very top, your measuring stick, these are world-class elite runners in the story. They're at the top of the game. On this day, particularly, Mr. Mutai was at the top, top of mm-hmm. his game. Mm-hmm. But his competitor knows what it takes to win a race like this. And he could see with his own eyes he was doing everything right. And yet there seemed to be a faltering of step at the end that slowed him down for no known reason. And then he spent his energy focused on the problem he was seeing ahead of him, not on his own. Mm-hmm. I just admire the fact that this guy is so cognizant of those around him. For me, this is what it comes down to is a profound sense of empathy. Mm. You're able to put yourself in the literal shoes of that runner. Yeah. I think so often we almost celebrate when someone trips up. Oh, yeah. This is my opportunity to get ahead. Yeah. At the expense of others. Sadly, I think that is prevalent in our culture, in the world we live in. Got to get ahead of somebody. Beat them. So let's go back and revisit what Paul is really saying in that scripture about running the race. It's not necessarily that he's speaking to the spectators, one who have no skin in the game. I think he's really talking to those who are with the runners in the race. And if we are surrounded by this running group who are running together, we will cheer each other on because we all succeed when one of us leads to victory. I think that is more the spirit of what Paul is talking about. There are all kinds of other people who have no direct interest and no cost. They haven't invested in this, but many people around us have. 
if we're part of a church, for example, and the church has struggled through a great project or a great work or a great mission or something, they know what it takes to move forward. They paid the price. They've spent the time. You don't leave each other behind. You celebrate together when God does something great in your midst. Well, scripture also tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice yeah. and mourn with those who mourn. So that puts us in a position of being empathetic. Jesus says, do these things. And it is being whole. It is being complete to be able and willing to do these things. Mm -hmm. The last scripture that I think that comes to mind for me, I want to dwell a little bit on this, is something from Matthew. Mm -hmm. At the end of a long lecture that Jesus is giving about what is right and what is fair. And there's a lot of complaining going on with the people who are listening to the story. And he talks about complainers in the story. And he's saying, I can do what I want with the things I have. I can give away freely to people who don't seem to deserve it if I want to. But am I being unfair if I be generous? That's the predicate to what he says at the very end of the story. Friends, before we jump back to today's interview, I just want to remind you that Compassion Radio is a communications ministry, and it depends on the faithful support of you to keep bringing inspiring stories to the air each day. Our vision partners support us monthly with gifts large and small and make it possible for us to take you to the very front lines of faith. Whether you join our vision team or make a one-time gift, thank you for believing in and standing by this ministry. Just call us at 1-800-868-2478 to make your gift. You can also text the word COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone. Or visit our website, CompassionRadio.com. Thank you, friends, for everything you've done and what you'll do today. We love you. And now, back to the interview. If we're part of a church, for example, and the church is project as we start 2023 is to provide more Bibles to our partner, Bibles for they the know what it takes to Please give generously today so that we can help John send more copies of the Gospel of John for new believers, along with New Testaments and full Bibles for those who rejoice with those who rejoice. Many of those Bibles are needed right now in Vietnam as the door stands wide open to receive these gifts and serve the church there. And it is being whole, it is being complete to be able and willing to do these things. And the last scripture that I think it comes to mind for me, I want to dwell a little bit on this, is something from Matthew. Mm -hmm. At the end of a long lecture that Jesus is giving about what is right and what is fair, and there's a lot of complaining going on with the people who are listening to the story, and he talks about complainers in the story. And he's saying, I can do what I want with the things I have. Mm -hmm. I can give away freely to people who don't seem to deserve it if I want to, but am I being unfair if I be generous? That's the predicate to what he says at the very end of the story. Mm -hmm. And that last verse is something that has been used for other purposes for a very long time. It simply says in verse 16 of chapter 20, Therefore, the last ones will be first, and the first ones will be last. We think about races and getting ahead when we hear that one phrase. What Jesus was talking about was those who had labored all day to do the work because they thought they had a great job. They knew it would be hard work, but man, this boss pays well. And when they get to the end of the day, they couldn't clean up the crop quick enough. The food was going to go to waste in the field if someone didn't come to help them. So at the very last second, the owner goes out there and brings every able body in. Mm -hmm. 
and they managed to, in record time, bring the entire crop in. Not a fruit was lost, and suddenly the owner of this field, the farmer himself, is now much more rich than he ever thought he would be because so much more got accomplished. How does he respond with joy to the fact that I'm suddenly wealthy? Hmm. Unexpectedly. There was more crop here, there was more produce, and we managed to get it all in. Well, he pays all his people fairly. And then the last ones who came up at the very last second to really bring it all in, that threw everything they had to the job, he goes to them and gives them the same salary. You earned your pay today because, man, we could not have done it without you. Mm -hmm. It's just true. But those who sat in the sun, laboring and sweating it out and getting a sunburn, all those extra hours before that happened, are now suddenly jealous. And they're begrudging those who came at the last second to bring this great thing in. The farmer himself is not worried about someone else's sense of fairness. He's focused on joy. And he is celebrating and rewarding those who helped him bring it all in. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to the story that says to me that God wouldn't go back to those who ran the longest and say, you know what? I'm going to give you a bonus. After all is said and done, you earned your pay, but it's been such a good day. Here's an extra 20. That could have happened next. But in the order of the story, before the farmer could even reward those who worked longer, they had already turned on those who came later, Mm. and they were suddenly bitter. That, for me, is the cloud of witnesses from the story before. They're all running this race together. A sprinter comes along at the last second, and it gets them across the finish line. Their whole team wins. But where do they come from? They haven't run those 26 miles. They're on like a relay, and suddenly all these fresh upstarts are running past you. They're doing the same thing you're doing, but do we feel like that in life? Like we've been trudging hard and working hard all our lives, and then suddenly someone just whips right by us, gets the finish line, gets the big job, gets the big promotion, and on they go. Well, that's precisely what Mr. Fernandez could have done. He could have done it, yeah. He could have just passed him right up, and no one, for the most part, would have begrudged him that. People would have said, hey, you were in the right place at the right time. It's within the rules. You passed him, so you win the race. But what rules was he actually running with? His mother's rules. Yeah. Mama gets the credit. Yeah. (laughs) And she obviously taught him well. She did. She did. I think it's a beautiful thing to say that this is a legacy of integrity that I've grown up under, is what he's telling us here. Yeah. And what do we teach our children? He's encouraging others to teach their children to behave this way. This is the way the world should act. And this is the way we should naturally respond to things. I think of the great coaches I've seen that work with youth sports, especially young kids are just learning a game, that tell two important things. One, to the naturally talented. That could be the stars. And those kind of coaches tell the star kids, the ones that find it easy at the sport, we don't succeed until everyone succeeds. Your job is to help and make sure that all in the team learn their jobs well. And when you all win this game together, you all win. That's the kind of message that a good coach gives to a young upstart that has natural talent. Mm -hmm. To the one who's shy, the one who's feeling inferior or insecure, or the one who's just begrudging that he was pushed into the sport, doesn't want to be there, whatever, that same coach will go to that kid and say, this team needs you. This team would not be great without you. I expect you to learn and grow here, and you're going to shine. You know, that kind of coaching saves lives. Mm -hmm. The kind of coaching that believes in every child that comes onto the field, that comes onto the court, they believe in the kids themselves, not just their abilities. Right. And they believe in the principle, too. 
that the individual is extraordinarily valuable. Yeah. And when we're given them, it's a trust. Yeah. When teachers act like this and save kids from self-doubt and giving up, when parents stay the course with their kids and stay with them and persevere, when bosses don't give up on employees, mm-hmm. when pastors don't give up on parishioners in their church, when youth leaders don't give up on young kids coming from who knows where to be part of their programs, these are the kind of races where the cloud of witnesses is within and without. Mm-hmm. And as we speak truth, we speak love into that. And everything about Mr. Fernandez's actions for me speak love. Yes. When you love something, you admire it and you want to be with it. And I think when Mr. Fernandez saw Mr. Mutai being an excellent example of everything that a runner should be, it was just obvious that if there was ever a question or a confusion, that that person had earned the right to be served by him. Mm-hmm. He knew the rules of the road in his own country, in his own language. Mr. Mutai did not. That's the only deficit he had in that road race. Mm-hmm. So he counted it not against him and rewarded him for what he had already earned and deserved He hadn't got across the finish line, so to the rest of the world, he was not a victor yet. But in the mind and heart of Mr. Fernandez, Mr. Mutai was a victor, and it was his job to make sure that he knew it and knew it to its fullness. Mm -hmm. What a way to run a race. Yeah, yeah. And he wins. Yeah. He wins the day because of his kindness. And we all win by reading a story like this. We all win. I mean, we have heard stories like this in the past where, you know, runners have helped ones who've fallen. We see it in the Olympics often when those accidents happen or confusions. But this is a really great reminder, I think, just that we have it in us to put others first. We do. Just in humanity, we have it within us if we're mentored well. Mm -hmm. But within the family of God, the Holy Spirit can put that spark in us right now, today, for something that might happen just in the next hour Mm -hmm. if we're willing to listen to it. And I do believe that God is always attentive to these kind of stories just waiting to happen Mm -hmm. of somebody who's on the edge or thinks they've succeeded but have no clue they missed something really important. Mm -hmm. Is there going to be somebody that comes along that recognizes both those things, those facts, and still sees that person as a winner? And if so, will they pick up the slack and help that person to succeed and it be an honor for them to do so. Not begrudgingly and not with resentment, but with gratitude that I have the opportunity to help this person excel even beyond their own expectations. If we had that spirit within us, that I really do believe is one of the core kernels of spiritual fruit growing in us to full fruit. Mm. You know, God wants that kind of fruit out of our lives. Yeah. Honey, I think my prayer is that I would be a person like Mr. Fernandez, that Mm. I would be the kind of woman who wants to boost others up, that encourages them in their faith walk, in their life walk, in their everyday, in the races that they're running. Just be the kind of person that sees the winner ahead of me and encourages them to press on. It helps them literally get across the finish line. Yeah. Well, it's fair to say this, honey. At the very least, you are Mr. Fernandez's mother in this story <laughs> because you've done that for all of our kids. And you keep on it like that. You invested yourself in every conversation, especially when the kids are now sprung and left the house. And we're in the age of influence now instead of just provision and control and direction. We're advising. We're, as they welcome us in, giving what we can. Mm-hmm. But you speak life like that and you keep encouraging them to excel. So I would say that that ethic is something that you resonate with in the story because you already have it. And I'm proud to have that as my treasure as well. Thank you. 
And that's it for this Compassion Radio 360. It's going to be a great weekend ahead. I pray for you all. You would have a great time with the Lord this weekend. And come Monday, we'll be back with more of the Compassion Radio series on Psalm 69. And that's part of our ongoing Chasing the Word series here on Compassion Radio. We look forward to hearing from you in the meantime, and we look forward to seeing you then. There is so much to be thankful for, even in hard times. Right now, I'm very thankful for you. Your gift of time each day is a genuine treasure to us. Knowing that you're being challenged to live out your faith like never before is a wonderful encouragement to us as well. However you reach out, know that we're in this ministry and this work for you and because of you. Just call or write us today to help keep us on the air and in the field. Our project as we start 2023 is to provide more Bibles through our partner, Bibles for the World. Please give generously today so that we can help John send more copies of the Gospel of John for new believers, along with New Testaments and full Bibles for those growing in their faith. Many of those Bibles are needed right now in Vietnam as the door stands wide open to serve the church there. Call 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160. Corona, California, 92877. And jump in anytime at CompassionRadio.com.